0: Hello America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where today we've got a lot of busy stuff going on. There are hearings on Capitol Hill, the Democrats are in dishevelment as they try to figure out how they get their five trillion spending through their own caucus. They don't have the votes for their own plan. And uh, there's a lot of bobbing and weaving and concerns in Washington, but we're going to turn our attention back to the border because of all the things that we're covering here at Just the News with Bethany Blankley and and others. This is the national security issue of our time. The border is more wide open, more insecure, more unstable than at any time in American history. And we literally don't know who has been trying to enter into our country. And I think that's a very scary aspect of the moment we live in. And so no better person to bring on the show today than Congressman Chip Roy from the great state of Texas. He was the first Congressman to get out there and say, hey, this Haitian refugee crisis is a bit of a ruse. These Haitian refugees aren't coming from Haiti. They've been living comfortably in Latin America. They fled their country a long time ago. He was right. We checked out what he was saying. And the uh, Customs and Border Patrol said, you know what? He is right. And he is going to come here and tell us what else we don't know about the border. Great interview with him. We'll talk guns. We'll talk our Second Amendment. We'll talk what the spending means and all of the craziness in Washington. A lot of big issues on today's podcast. Let's tackle them all. And uh, also, we're going to take a tour through the Donors Trust. This is a great partner of ours in all of us like philanthropy. All of us like volunteerism. We want to do good, but we're busy, right? We got kids' soccer games and jobs and meetings and weddings and funerals. And sometimes the strategic part of giving strategically, matching our values to the right causes, there's too much to do. Well, our friends at the Donors Trust is going to take that burden away from you. They're going to explain how they can manage your charitable contributions in a way where you have the maximum impact and the greatest strategic alignment to your values. That's a cool idea. We're so busy. Why not let an expert do it and get the most out of your charitable giving, your philanthropy? Everyone here on this show is so giving. I know it. I try to be as well. And if we could just be strategic as well as charitable, what a difference we can make in the world, and our good friends at Donors Trust are going to describe that day. That's going to be a fun conversation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with first Congressman Chip Roy from the great state of Texas. Temp check. time time minimum ten dollars per order excludes restaurants additional terms and fees apply all right folks welcome back for the commercial break and as promised a very special guest chip roy the great congressman from the great state of texas is joining us congressman great to have you on the show
1: Hey, John, I really appreciate it. Great to be on. Thanks for everything you do to try to get the uh, truth out to the American people.
0: We got to keep doing that. There are smart people. We just give them the facts. They know how to make up their minds. It's amazing. You were the first one to see the Haitian refugee crisis at the border down at Del Rio for what it was. And you know, we've had a couple stories over the last couple of days on Just the News showing that most of these people coming for refugee status actually aren't fleeing Haiti. They left Haiti long ago and they're coming from places where they were comfortably living in Latin America, Brazil, Chile, things like that. How did this get perpetrated? How did this false story that these are really refugees fleeing Haiti get imposed on the American people?
1: Well, first of all, the Biden administration led by, of course, the president himself, as well as Secretary Mayorkas, the vice president's whole czar thing, that's just a, a fraud. She's not really doing anything. Secretary Mayorkas and the president are effectively lying on a daily basis about the state of the border. I mean, you can't say it any other way. Secretary Mayorkas was actually in Texas saying that Del Rio border was closed at the literal moment that he knew and had just talked to people about Haitian migrants going back and forth across the river. They were across, they'd go over, get a taco in Mexico and then come Come back. Come right back, right? You literally can't make this up. And so then my friend Todd Benzman, you probably know him yes. or know of him. Todd has been doing exceptional work on this. Some of my friends at Breitbart as well, getting information, going down to Panama, going down and seeing where all of this is occurring and people are signing up and they get, uh, you know, these guides that will bring these groups up. Oftentimes it's to uh, other places on the border, but Del Rio was targeted by the Haitians in particular because it is the least controlled by cartels. It was purposeful because these this group of Haitians had been in Central America and Todd reported about this and put pictures out. In fact, I saw some of the physical evidence yesterday, and that stuff was all Chilean IDs, Brazilian passports, all of this material that is dumped there at the Rio Grande. So when they come across, they say, "Oh, we're you know coming in from Haiti," and they act like it's fleeing from the earthquake or fleeing from some of the troubles in Haiti. Now, look, we our heart goes out to people all around the world that's right. suffering the plight of governments that don't respect freedom, that aren't built on the principles our government is built upon. Unfortunately, Democrats are destroying those principles and ripping apart our country, leaving our country vulnerable and exposed to dangerous cartels, to China, to fentanyl, to uh, child trafficking, and all of this so they can go around claiming they're compassionate. And they use the Haitians as the race-baiting scapegoat for their incompetent policies that are endangering the United States of America. And then they go down and target border patrol agents for riding horses and doing their job to stop the crisis that they themselves created, and it is the height of hypocrisy, and it is why the president and the secretary should be impeached for failing to faithfully execute the laws of the United States.
0: It is remarkable, and you you had an amazing tweet this morning that caught my attention right away. You wrote, the state of Texas is the only thing standing between absolute complete lawlessness and a wide open border for our country. The state of Texas has stepped into the void that the federal government used to fill with with border patrol. How did we get to this moment that a state has to protect the entire union?
1: Because we have now countenanced for far too long Democrats who flat out refuse to accept the importance of sovereignty or our obligation to secure our border. Heck, even Barack Obama, who was horrible on the border. Barack Obama yesterday was saying, guys, we just can't have wide open borders. Right. We can't we can't do this. And, and th- this administration is now just stepping on the gas, being run by radical leftists, a bunch of university academic types sitting around and, you know, pontificating about how these open borders are good for migrants and good for America. And then the far left squad here in the House of Representatives and people like my colleague from Texas, Sheila Jackson Lee, who yesterday in the Judiciary Committee said our border is secure. I know these Border Patrol agents. and Our border is sovereign and secure. And that was what I was responding to in that quote that you saw in that tweet was, I said, Texas is stepping into the breach. We had 800 DPS, Department of Public Safety troopers, officers in Del Rio to supplement the 1300 or so Border Patrol and federal agents who were overwhelmed and overrun because they've got no support from this administration. Governor Abbott and our team in Texas is doing everything they know how to do to try to go step into the breach. Now, to be clear. I think the governor is going to have to go farther. I think the state of Texas is going to have to go farther. I think we're going to have to take it upon ourselves to hold the line and step in because this administration is purposefully harming Texas and Americans for their own political calculation.
0: It's an amazing moment in history. And, you know, you do a good job often. I see this on your Twitter and in your speeches that the, some of the greatest victims of this open border are the people that the Democrats claim they're trying to help because yep. there are young girls and women that are being trafficked. There's narco, tar- tar- uh, narco trafficking going on. Actually, the people that the Democrats proclaim to be helping are most being victimized by, by these groups that are taking advantage of the border. How do we get that message across better?
1: You know, John, I went and did a bunch of radio Rose stuff this morning. We have the uh, you know fair, fair. organization, yeah. Got a bunch of folks in here, and uh, I was there with my friends Mark Morgan, Tom Homan. Wait, we are out there every day trying to make sure that the American. You people know. I did radio hits in Pennsylvania, and you know, hopefully, this podcast and others, we get this out. I'm, I look the pictures I have seen of little girls with brands, burns on their bodies because they've been abused by the cartels, the little girls that are sold into the sex trafficking trade, that we know this. We interview them and we find out they've been raped on the journey through Mexico. When we find dead bodies all over South Texas, 95 dead bodies in Brooks County, Texas, several hundred across the entirety of the border in South Texas, when ranchers have to go find A carcass literally picked apart by vultures and animals because a migrant died in South Texas. A mom who was pregnant with two twins who was dead along the Rio Grande and her husband was also dead down there in the in the river. This is the state of the border under Democrat control, dead migrants trying to come to the United States because they've been sold a false narrative that our borders are somehow supposed to be wide open when they are not under our laws. They're using asylum, Democrats are, to try to have a big old door and ignore federal law purposely and endanger the American people in the process. And the dirty little secret is fentanyl is coming in and killing Americans because these guys refuse to secure the border.
0: It's a massive poison and it's coming in in such enormous amounts. It's, it's almost jaw-dropping. I want to pivot to another issue because I think it's been going on there's been so many crises. There's a lot of things that the Biden administration is doing to erode the Second Amendment. They were at the UN recently and signaled that the United States might sign a global treaty that people say will create a, a global gun registry. All Americans would be subjugated to this treaty if it were to be ratified by the Senate and approved by uh, Joe Biden. You've got the red flag laws that have come up in the NDA, the the defense authorization. We had an ATF director that was very hostile. Uh, Republicans managed to block that. Uh, Is the Second Amendment one of the silent things that are getting chipped away at right now why our attention are on all these other crises?
1: Well, there is a constant effort by this administration to go after every single one of the things that we hold dear as Americans and the rights that we cherish. Uh, It's purposeful. They're trying to silence speech. They're trying to jam up uh, any kind of efforts by us to advance. Um, A secure border. And in this context, what we're talking about here, they're absolutely going after our Second Amendment rights embedded in the National Defense Authorization Act was language to require our service members to uh, uh, be subject to red flag laws and have their weapons taken, confiscated, uh, all without the due process that is uh, necessary if you're ever going to have that kind of a thing. And of course, they want to collect information on American citizens and then subject us to not only their power in Washington, D.C., and the all-knowing experts at the far left who want to tell us how to live our lives, tell us we can't have monoclonal antibody treatments, tell us we must get vaccinated if you're in a business over 100, uh, force everybody to wear masks in every corner of the earth. Uh, And in this case, they want us to have all the information on their guns so they can take them, limit them. uh, And they want to, uh, you know, bow down to a sort of you know, world order, if you will, of saying that we need to have a weaponless society. You know why? Because that's how tyranny reigns. If you want to know how, go look at Australia. Go look at the places around the world where government is abusing their citizens in the name of taking care of them. And we don't do that here. And over my dead damn body, are they going to get access to my firearms? Ever. And they're never going to be able to draft my daughter. And they're never going to come in and force my children to get a jab. This is America. We live free.
0: Yeah, that's such an important point. And you've been an enormously important voice on freedom. I want to go to one last thing that's winding its way in, the, in Nancy Pelosi's chaotic house right now. These massive spending bills, infrastructure plus $3.5 trillion. Uh, as you look back, I mean, you, you understand the basics of uh, economics and also the potential danger that these bills pose to freedom. Uh, how dangerous is it if we pour $4.55 trillion onto this economy with inflation already roaring?
1: Well, we don't have to speculate. We just did it. That's right. We just spent a year and a half dumping $5 trillion in appropriations. It hasn't all been spent yet, but we put a ton of money into the economy. We're now seeing inflation. We're seeing more and worse than inflation. We're seeing what happens when you insert that into the economy and you pay people not to work and you kill jobs and you kill small businesses and you disrupt the supply chain and you basically cause our economy to, in many places, come to a screeching halt, you see what happens. It harms people and they wanna now go inject another four or $5 trillion of borrowed money that will destabilize our currency, weaken our financial condition as a country, but worse than that, kill free enterprise, kill small business. It's absolutely absurd. In their three and a half trillion dollar wish list is universal family leave, massive expansion of Medicare, Medicaid, and uh, Obamacare subsidies in a, in a quest for Medicare for all, a massive expansion of the Green New Deal, clamping down on the ability to have uh, the internal combustion engine and have available power. They will create energy poverty, drive up energy prices, reduce jobs, reduce our national security, all in the name of and in a quest of their woke New Deal leftist utopia, which is nothing more than unicorn land, and they're trying to jam that down our throats. Fortunately, they are incompetent and they recognize some of the difficulty of the garbage they're trying to sell. However, unfortunately, they're going to get some of this through. What we're trying to do right now is minimize it, and God bless right now, uh, Mansion and Cinema for at least throwing a wall up. But we can't put our uh, eggs in that basket because at the end of the day, they're going to sell us out and cut a deal, and they've moved the goalpost. And if three and a half trillion is re- reduced to two trillion, that is still an enormous interference with the free market and freedom in this country. We got to try to fight it at every
0: turn. Such an important point. It does. and Passiveness is actually complicity in this in this moment in our history. Yep. Well, we know one thing about you, Congressman. And you're not passive. You're right out there trying to fight for Americans' freedoms, and uh, we're so grateful for all that you do to illuminate and fight the things that put America we know and love at risk. So, thank you so much for the time today. We're really grateful.
1: John, my pleasure. I didn't come here for second place. We're going to save this country for our kids and our
0: grandkids. God bless America. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, God bless you as well, sir. Thank you so much. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have a little bit of talk about the economy right after this.
1: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door.
0: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Listen, when you're a conservative, you have principles that you want private sector to solve America's problems more than the U.S. government. And that means philanthropy, contributing, donating, is such an important part of the conservative movement. And today, there are options to make your money multiply by get involved with a donor-advised fund and making your money count and amplifying what you give with other people so that you can have real impact. And one of the extraordinary groups that does that today is the Donors Trust. They're a great partner with us here at Just the News and at John Solomon Reports. And today I wanted to dive deeper into what does it mean to have a donor advised fund to be part of that? What are the options? How can you make a bigger impact? And no better person to make all of that understandable than Peter Lipset, the Vice President from Donors Trust. Peter, welcome to the show.
2: John. Nice to be here.
0: Listen, the Donors Trust is such an important and has been such an important player for a long time in philanthropy. I think a lot of people don't know really what a donor advised fund is. So if we could just start with what the Donor Trust has done, why it's been around for a long time, what's its mission and how it impacts philanthropy in America.
2: Absolutely. So at Donors Trust, our aim is to really help liberty-minded donors give their charitable dollars in a way that's strategic and simple and tax advantaged and secure. Our main program is, as you mentioned, a donor advised fund. And I imagine a lot of listeners probably know a little bit about that. But if you're not familiar with the donor advised fund, think of it a little bit like a charitable savings account. People donate money in, can take their tax deduction right then, and then they've got that money set aside to achieve their charitable goals on their own timeline. You don't have some of the rushing you have to do with a private foundation, you get a little more flexibility, et cetera. And there are a lot of providers of donor-advised funds out there. Our niche at Donors Trust is really working with conservative, libertarian donors who want to work with a charitable partner that really understands and shares their values. Our mission is really to protect the intent of those donors and also to help the ecosystem of nonprofits out there that are advancing the ideas of limited government of personal responsibility, of free enterprise, and help them grow and meet new donors. Uh, So we've been at this since 1999, and last year alone, our donor clients gave away more than $180 million. We're excited to to be doing this years into the future.
0: That is a big number, that is a big impact. You know, one of the things I've heard over the last couple of years with people who have been involved is that one, There's a large growth in people flocking to places like the Donors Trust to have more impact. And when cancel culture started coming around and banks and and other people are trying to cancel out, that that impacted donors who wanted to do more things with the Donors Trust. Talk a little bit about what cancel culture's impact has been on a group like the Donors Trust.
2: Yeah, a lot of people are worried about that. We're hearing it more and more. In fact, a lot of our growth this year, outside of just the normal growth we see, are people fleeing from some other donor-advised fund providers, from some community foundations that are leaning more in that woke direction, and donors who hold more conservative and libertarian values say, "This this is not for me, stop. And to the point, in some of those cases, they're actually having their gift requests decline by the donor advised fund. That's provider. amazing. It is. And, you know, uh, up front, like that's within the right of the donor advised fund. Donor advised fund gets to decide where those dollars are going to go at the end of the day. But as one person put it to me, the gentleman's agreement with a lot of these is that they're going to make the gift if it's a 501c3 organization. And as certain ideas have become less, less palatable, less friendly in the news cycle, then we've seen some good conservative organizations getting declined. And so we're seeing more and more come to us. So that's, that's one side of the story of why donors in particular need to understand who they're working with, whether it's a donor advised fund or just a philanthropic advisor, even an investment advisor, that there are people who are going to help you advance your goals and there are people who are going to actively work against it. And you need to find somebody who can work with it. Yeah. The other side of it is with a donor advised fund, there's a certain additional layer of privacy that you can get. Some people overblow the value of that right. uh, to, to say people use donor advised funds only for the privacy aspect. It's actually a pretty small proportion who use it just for privacy. And there's a lot of reasons people use it for privacy, right? They, they just want to be anonymous. They have a religious objection. They're very humble people. Or they just don't want to get dragged out into the public square for supporting a cause that's politically out of favor at the moment. And uh the donor advised fund creates an extra layer between the donor and the organization that can create some additional privacy. That's really all it's doing.
0: Wow. How amazing is that? If you're sold on this, you hear this, I want to do this. I want to start to make a bigger difference. I want to get involved in a donor advised fund. Uh, when you're a prospective donor, what is the most important thing they need to know when they consider opening up a charitable account with Donors Trust?
2: You know, one of the misconceptions around a donor advised fund kind of broadly is that you need to be a millionaire to get started. Right. And one of the great things about the Donor Advise Fund is it's a tool that lets you be more strategic, lets you save on taxes, but it's open to a much lower level of giver. You know, I am not a Scrooge McDuck type, uh, but my wife and I use the Donor Advise Fund for our, our meter giving. And it's just a great place to put it all in one, one account, have it centralized, have, you know, quote unquote people on the back end that you can turn to for advice or just the accounting side. And you know, at Donors Trust, you can open an account with as little as $10,000. So we actually have a whole program for folks under 40 with a lower minimum threshold to get younger people engaged in giving. And different donor advised funds have different minimums, but it's a much lower threshold that you might meet because you have some appreciated stock that you want to sell, or you sold a house, or you just had a good year at the office, or your giving is just up at that level. So that's one of the big things to know is you can get started even if you're not a mega millionaire giver. And then in terms of getting started, there's an application and there's your initial contribution in the door, and that's it. Then you're up and running. There's no tax filings like with a private foundation, you don't need to pull in a lawyer like setting up some of these plain giving vehicles. It's really just as uh, um, easy as opening up a bank account.
0: How cool is that?
2: Maybe even easier.
0: Yeah, listen, and you don't have to be Mark Zuckerberg to do this. $10,000, right. a lot of us in, in the middle class could afford that. We might want to do that. It's such an important uh, thing. Now, this industry, this concept of combined giving and donor, donor advised trust, it had a big victory at the Supreme Court earlier this summer. Tell us a little bit about that case and why it's so important.
2: Yeah, and to be clear, it's not a donor's trust victory per se, but it is a victory for philanthropy in general. This was the Americans for Prosperity Foundation versus Bonta case. So Bonta, the California attorney general, wasn't the first party attached to that suit. Uh, It was our vice president, right? It was our vice president, uh, Kamala (laughs) Harris. She is the one, when she was the attorney general in California, who put in place some rules that required all nonprofits operating in the state to hand over the sensitive, unredacted donor information that's already required by the IRS at the national level. Well, surprise, surprise, it wasn't long before some of that private donor information became public. It yeah. got leaked out there sure. in an unredacted form. And <laughs> that's a problem, uh, it's particularly because it seemed to be preponderance of conservative groups that were getting leaked. Right. This is a case we've been watching for more than five years as it slowly worked its way up the courts and, and so have a lot of charitable groups on both sides of the aisle, which is an important thing to remember. There were amicus briefs from the ACLU and, and more left-leaning organizations and you're all these right-leaning organizations as well. And, and some who are just, you know, helping dogs and cats and feed people. Yeah, But we're all excited to see this and get that Supreme court ruling six to three, that the attorney general overstepped her and then his bounds in asking for this. And so fortunately, since the case, We've seen several states who are trying to go in that direction, back off of their original plans to require that information. That's That's a good thing. Privacy is an important and critical piece of philanthropy. And as I said earlier, people want to be private for a lot of different reasons.
0: They sure do. And we
2: should respect that.
0: Such an important thing. Big win. That was a big win before the Supreme Court took its summer recess. Now, philanthropy is important, and we need more of it these days, not less, which is something uh, you touched on in a recent column you wrote. I want to talk a little bit about that first. Would you tell me about the recent trip you took to South Dakota and how it inspired your column about finding happiness in giving?
2: Yeah, we were in kind of, you know, not, I don't want to say middle of nowhere. That's a bit derogatory. We were in Hot Springs, South Dakota, not a place a lot of you have been to. There's a great little museum there called the Mammoth Site. And my family made a, an excursion here. And it's a place where a guy in the process of building some apartments unearthed some mammoth bones and then more mammoth bones and ultimately decided, forget the apartments, we're going to build a museum and ongoing archaeological site right here. And, and it's a cool little thing to, to tour and see them digging up these bones. And the thing that struck me while I was there When we were in the lobby, there's this huge reconstruction of a mammoth there, and above it is this big board with all of these names of people who gave their dollars by choice to help make this site in Hot Springs, South Dakota, a reality and continue to do so. And it occurred to me a reminder that people give for a lot of different reasons, and people give to a lot of different esoteric stuff. And that is such a good, important thing. And one of the things that worries me in a lot of these conversations that we see about going on the Hill or in academic journals or even just in the press attacking philanthropists, is it is missing this larger point that people give for a lot of reasons. And ultimately, they give because they want to find joy. They want to be happy. And I think there's a bigger point here for some of your listeners, particularly because I know they're very politically engaged. They're, they're tuned in to what's going on in the world. And that, that's this, that philanthropy isn't just about supporting archaeological digs or food banks or animal shelters. Any of that can make you happy, and you should give to that. That's great. But you know what? Supporting groups that teach kids the fundamentals of entrepreneurialism or free market principles, if that makes you happy, support it with your philanthropy. We want better civics curricula in schools than give to those organizations. If yeah. you think training free market grassroots uh, activists is really important because that's a path to pushing back against fashionable but dangerous ideas. If that brings you joy and it's going to be good for the country too to boot, give to it. There are so many groups out there working to save the republic that deserve our support and that make us happy. And we shouldn't be chagrined away from giving to that type of thing just because the news media may not put it in favor
0: yeah, that's a big point. One of the things you help do when you begin to understand a donor is connect them to charities that they may not know about that align with their values, their work, their ambitions. What are some of the ways donors or prospective donors are going to can discover new avenues of giving and charity through what you do? I think you even have a new podcast I heard about that's pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, you know it's a it's a concern we hear a lot, uh, and I frankly, I think it stops some donors. There's so many groups out there. There's a challenge to figure out the information. Some people on one hand have too much information, right? You're probably on a number of direct mail lists. There's, there are many <laughs> of your lists, That's for sure. Uh, and, that, yes. yeah, and that mail pours in and you're like, what do I do with all this? How do you cut through that clutter? But it's important to remember that there are some really good resources out there for liberty minded donors.
0: Hey Peter, I want to ask one last question here. When donors and prospective donors are beginning to discover new avenues of giving or or charities, how do you help them? How do you help them find the new opportunities? What are some of the ways that Donors Trust can help people discover charities and causes that they didn't know existed?
2: Sure. Yeah. We hear from a lot of people that they are having trouble sorting through exactly where to give. Either they don't know about groups or they get too much direct mail, as you probably do. Right. Uh, the, the inundation of things, asking for help. And so how do you cut through that clutter? And that's where turning to, to sources that you respect and that share your values really matter. I mean, obviously, we're out there as a donor advised fund. If you're working with us, we spend a lot of time talking to our clients, having conversations. I have one later today, just talking through some new groups, new ideas, and seeing what's out there. You're right. We did launch a podcast it's called Giving Ventures. And the idea is the same thing. How do you help donors discover new things? And so we, twice a month, we're going to pick a topic, highlight several groups doing good work in that area, and help donors find things and opportunities for impact that they otherwise miss. There's other good groups out there, things like the Philanthropy Roundtable. And you know, if you've got a like-minded advisor or an investment advisor, turn to them. There's so many things out there. But we are certainly happy to be helpful here at Donors Trust.
0: And yeah, it's really amazing. You can take someone's values like mine and say, here are some ideas you didn't even know. Here are some groups that are working, right in this space that you want. I think that's such a really great idea and why why an organization like Donors Trust is so important to people who want to make a difference in the world. Any parting thoughts? People have been listening to this. are like, you know what? It only takes 10,000 to get in. I think I want to do this. What are some parting thoughts that for someone who's right now thinking about jumping over that threshold and getting involved?
2: Certainly. Well, if you're listening to the John Solomon show, you're probably think kind of like we do as it is. And if you're a philanthropic person, we at Donors Trust would love to help you. You can go to DonorsTrust.org, find all sorts of information there, listen to our Giving Ventures podcast, because if you're listening to this, you're probably a podcast person too. We've got a couple up there, take a listen. But you know, big picture, I'm a firm believer that charitable giving is one of the truest ways that conservatives and libertarians can live out their values. We want private dollars to work towards solving public problems because we don't want to wait on the government. And so at the very least, I encourage everyone listening to be a giver at some level. And let's let private giving crowd out government instead of the other way around.
0: What a unique idea. Very conservative libertarian, liberty-loving way to approach your day. I think I love that. Folks, DonorTrust.org, remember that URL. Go check it out. This is a great way for you to have enormous impact and not have to spend a lot of time creating that impact. They're amazing partners of this show, and I hope you can check them out today and, and just see how you can make a difference. It's an enormous opportunity. Peter, thank you so much for what you're doing and also for making this all understandable. I understand it a lot better thanks to your good work. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. It's been a busy day, a lot to digest. We'll wrap it up in just a few seconds. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, folks. That wraps it up. Another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you for joining me. Big thanks to all of our guests today. We made a lot of news. I think we did a lot of learning together as well. I want to mention one thing. Last night... We had our monthly meeting for the Just the News VIP Subscriber Club. This is a really cool club. Every penny that we collect from a subscription, $4.99 a month for a monthly, I think it's $44.95 a year, every penny, goes to support our journalists, the Bethany Blankley's and the Greg Pipers and the Daniel Payne's and all of the great reporters whose bylines you've gotten to know, all the scoops that we have here. If you if you value these scoops, the things we broke on the border patrol, the things we broke on the Afghan refugees, the Navy SEALs, the stories that we transformed with our reporting on Russia collusion, on Ukraine, on other Biden scandals, the current and present and future, you can join the club. And what we give you in return, and we're just not asking for your money. We're asking for a donation. Uh, for $4.99 a month or $44.95 a year, you get an ad-free experience. We take all the ads, all the autoplay videos, all the things that might annoy you. That's how we make money, I understand it. But we'll take that off the site for you so you have a nice, clean site. And then once a month... We have a meeting in the evening where club members get to sit. We pick a topic and we have a conversation. You ask me questions, I ask you questions. We learn from each other. It's an incredible event. We had one last night on the border. I'm telling you, our subscribers are so amazing. They're so smart. Smart questions, smart observations, story tips. Sometimes I get story tips because... You guys, our readers at Just the News at John Solomon Reports, are so smart. You see things that I don't see or our other reporters don't see, and we can jump on them. So if you wanna have that monthly conversation, it's less than a hamburger at the local hamburger shack, $4.99 a month, $44.95 a year. Just go to justthenews.com slash subscribe. justthenews.com slash subscribe. Very simple to remember. You're gonna get an ad-free experience on any platform that you experience us on. And most importantly, you will get an opportunity to sit with me, we'll sit around and have that conversation. It is a club, it is like a community. I love it, it's the one thing I look forward to more than anything else each month now. We've got many thousands of subscribers, I'd love to make it many tens of thousands of subscribers. So if you and a friend or anyone wants to join the conversation, get news, not noise, have your voice be heard, ask the questions you've always been dying to ask. Justthenews.com slash subscribe is where you go. All right. Have a great night. Thank you to all our guests tomorrow. I think we're going to have Karen Fan, the Senate president from Arizona, talking about the Maricopa audit. Tune in tomorrow. It's going to be a big Friday show. Until then, God bless you. And God bless this amazing country, the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News.